Welcome into episode 141 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan. The Natty Hattie. And Jamie Eisner. Sup. I'm Luke Lipinski. I wasn't sure if Craig was going to go with Natty Hattie or not. Like so I, I have to be the, I'm the backup singer. So you just had sup chambered yeah. just in case. Uh, Chris Schubert, also known as Leftovers, is here as well. No, no mic still. Yeah, you won't be hearing him this Fortunately. week. Fortunately. This, this week he doesn't have a mic. We have some pity for our listeners. Mm. Wow. Uh, we have a question from a listener. We do. Actually, it's not really a question. It's okay. more of a disagreement. And is a criticism? Those are, two, those, a criticism? Are, yeah, those are different words. Well, I, I wouldn't say it's a criticism. Okay, it's from Ken. I was going to say if it's a criticism, don't read it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't take constructive criticism well. Send only your uh, glowing compliments into the show. You or can tweet. mild suggestions. Yes. Into, yes. That's where we stop. We Gentle edges. Mild yes. suggestions. Uh, send in topic ideas. Slight disagreements, I guess, but certainly yes. glowing recommendations of us to us uh, at the Natty Hattie. Also, Jamie, how do you... Uh, and free coffee. Yeah, and free coffee, too, because you know, Craig's he's just not delivering his <laughs> end of the bargain. out here. Um, iTunes, how do, we, uh, how do we want them to do this? Go on to iTunes and rate <laughs> us and subscribe to yes, us. And rate us. Subscribe right, so, to us. Recommend right? us to your friends and family. Yeah. All, all that fun stuff. You've listened, you've probably, this is probably not the only podcast you've ever listened to in your life. If it is... Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, but if it's not... It's all you, downhill you, from here. All the same normal stuff, uh, five-star ratings, uh, reviews. It all helps us move up the charts so other people can hear Craig and I's greatness and Luke's existence. Tolerance of Craig and Jamie. That's what Luke provides to this show. So, yes, go on a iTunes. tolerance. Subscribe. Uh, especially not a lot of coffee, but a lot of tolerance. With the playoffs coming up, too, you're, you're going to want to... I mean, that's when things get pretty intense around here. So we start yelling. Yeah. Uh, so Ken writes in. Can't call Boston Toronto the second, third best teams with an unbalanced schedule. The Avs might have as many points playing Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit that often. Keep playoffs divisional or balanced schedule. I don't know how he fit all that into one tweet, but he did. You have a lot of characters now in Twitter. That's true. Um, also, Ken appears to be a Blackhawks fan in his photo, so I'm assuming Craig knows him somehow. But uh, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I think it, that goes both ways. Uh, it's not just the bad teams that one gets to play. It's the fact that Boston Town also get to play the best team in hockey. And each other. And yeah. each other. Uh, to me, it's I look at this and say, one, clearly Boston and Toronto are both better teams than the Avalanche. I just They are yeah, uh, from top to bottom. I would agree. But I think the overall point we were trying to make here and the overall point that Craig made in his Craigslist article about realignment that's on FanRexSports.com. Well, and we talked about this last episode, yeah. too. I think the main... on the article, though. Okay, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I read that article twice. Did you really? Yeah. Why? Did you understand, not understand it the first time? I had my laptop upside down. <laughs> no, no further questions. Okay. The, the point it's we your were fault all, for asking. The point we were all talking about was, yes, there's the factor of it, there's, a, there's a fairness element to two really strong teams having to be playing each other in the first round and having one of the best teams in the conference or in the league out in the first round, not because they got upset, but because they had to play another team that was at the top there. I think the biggest thing was we're getting uninteresting matchups, even among good teams, because we're seeing it. I mean, we talked about Boston and Toronto being this playoff matchup in the first round, as I'll say for the 18th show in a row, since Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's a problem. And and here's the thing. We've been talking about that since Thanksgiving, and in that time, Boston has gone on a unbelievable run, and yet it's still Boston-Toronto in the first round. Shorthanded, too, by the way. They've been without a lot of key players. Yeah. It's crazy what they've done. Bergeron. And- there was a stretch there. What, they lost one game in regulation out of 18 contests or something, and that was after we already knew it was going to be – I guess at that point we thought it was going to be Boston at Toronto in the first round, and instead now it's Toronto at Boston. But that's all that's changed, and it's not like those two teams have just coasted along slightly above 500. 
Boston has been unbelievable, and yet it's the same. So, look, it, it's as we said last week, that leads to a great first-round matchup. That's going to be the best first-round matchup, the Bruins and Maple Leafs. And this particular year, it's not like the other matchups in the East are going to suffer because there are a few decent teams. But it just doesn't feel right to have one of them out in the opening round. I get what Ken's saying. Like, I, I'm all for a balanced schedule or balanced divisions or whatever. But uh, I, I hate the 2-3 matchup in the divisions. I just I feel like you get the same two teams playing in the first round yeah, a lot of years. That's, it is unfortunate. Yeah, and one of the big things that we brought up last week was it allows – it's the unfair advantage that other teams have. It's what happened with Ottawa last year. It's, you have teams that are clearly inferior based on both the eyeball test and their actual regular season record that actually have an easier path to the conference final than teams that are better than them. It's not going to be as extreme as Ottawa this year. No. But is there a team? Let's let's go through what some of these matchups would be because as we're recording this, it's Wednesday. The playoffs start in exactly three weeks. So now I think it's fair to look and say if the playoffs started today because we're getting closer to zeroing in on these matchups. In the West, it would be Nashville-Anaheim, which would be a pretty, pretty yeah. fantastic. Uh, Vegas, Colorado, Winnipeg, Minnesota, San Jose, L.A. So what jumps out to me is if you are in the Pacific, mm-hmm. you have a much easier path than the team from any other division. No question about it, especially if you believe the Vegas Golden Knights are vulnerable right now. They have not played as well, although they seem to have righted the ship a little bit. That'll happen when you play the Vancouver Canucks. But if you believe that they're vulnerable, I mean, a team like the L.A. Kings right now could be looking at a path through San Jose and Vegas to the conference final. And Do any of us think that the L.A. Kings are conference final worthy? No. No, and that's obviously an easier path than, let's say, Nashville, who's the best team in hockey right now, having to go through the Ducks and then the Jets, in theory. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the issue when you have one division that is particularly weaker than the other. It, it, you, you create these scenarios where, again, Nashville is the best team in the West. I yeah. think we can all agree on that. Pretty clear. Their path is going to be more difficult than Vegas's, than San Jose's, than LA's. That's why it's, you have to see them. It is what it is. You got to see them in this format, place. and that's keep your division rivalries for the regular season if you want. But once you get to the playoffs, you got to reward records. You got to reward performance in the regular season by seeding. There are just there are so few rivalries that I need to see in the postseason. There there are there are some. I, I always think Philly Pittsburgh in the postseason is fun because it is a complete you know what show. It's just it's just chaos yeah, from start to finish. I know yeah. you you like you hate it, Luke. But beyond that, I'm not sure there are t- it's playoff hockey. It's I'm not enough. What else could be? We can't. We, we can't. That's have, where your rivalries come from. The ones that are built in the yes, playoffs, and you can build new ones because again, we can't have the only other one that again is of the past is Chicago Detroit, and we're not going to get that because one they both suck now, and two because Detroit keeps whining about staying in the East. Detroit doesn't want to. This isn't the West anymore. It's not how I phrased it, but. <laughs> So, I mean... It, Read between the lines. So, to me, it's, it's there's no other rivalry I need to see. And it's not like this is the NCAA tournament where they put these teams together and they're like, oh, we can't have two teams from the same division playing. If you seed them one through eight, there are going to be teams from the same division playing. It's not like you've made it yeah. impossible for Pittsburgh and Philadelphia to play. In fact, I believe the last time Pittsburgh and Philadelphia met in the playoffs, they were seeding one through eight. It's... And there's it's a the most basic thing that's built because of where you meet in the postseason. We we had a, a, a brief period of time where there was a true Kings Blackhawks rivalry because they met 
Every time they met, it was for a chance to go to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, except that one year wasn't it a first. Well, round. yeah, then the, the one. But either way, I mean, but, that was a great first round match. But if you're just facing the two, three every single season, you're just going to start running into this rut where, and of course, for five or six years, you've seen the same one or two playoff matchups in the first round constantly. Yeah, I think that's going to build excitement for anybody. There was definitely a stretch there where the Penguins and Rangers played in the playoffs. I think three straight years at least, and uh, in the end, the Rangers apparently just gave up. But it, it's just. If you're not a fan of one of those two teams, aren't you kind of sick of flipping on Penguins Rangers? Also, like, what is what is Toronto playing for for the rest of the last three weeks of the year? No, I mean that's a great point. They're they're playing to rest guys and get ready for Boston. Same with Boston. I guess Boston can convince themselves they still have a chance to catch. Yeah, five Tampa points, Bay. two games in hand. They they can try to talk themselves into that. But and that's definitely, I mean, that's worth shooting for because then you're playing New Jersey instead of Toronto in the first round. Yeah, you'll play Jersey or Florida, and again, home ice throughout. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Eastern matchups right now are Tampa Bay, New Jersey, Boston, Toronto, Washington, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Columbus. But everything in the uh, Metro could change as you're listening to this. Mm. I don't like the Metro division very much. No. <laughs> That's Craig's first contribution in a while. If it's, so, Washington uh, isn't as good as they were last year. No. Pittsburgh looks tired. Columbus is schizophrenic. And the Flyers are the Flyers. Like, are the Flyers going to come out of that division this Maybe. year? Maybe. I, I could see any one of those four teams Jamie just mentioned coming out of that division. Yeah. I just, or New Jersey, if they get it. <laughs> I don't think New Jersey. I, no. I think New Jersey's clearly a step down from the other four. Jersey may not make it. I don't think New Jersey's going to make it. Coming. Yeah. I, I think Florida. Florida's 7-2-1 and one in their last 10. They're one point back of New Jersey. With two games in hand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Columbus is the team you get. I mean, they can get hot with a goal, with their goaltender, and that's a team that can can run through a tired Pittsburgh team if they needed to, or, or Washington. I'm not going to say they're better overall, but I think the Flyers would be the worst matchup, don't you think, Luke? For who? For You're Pittsburgh? Panicked. You're panicked about that matchup. Flyers pens. I have no interest in watching Penguins Flyers in the first round. I think the Penguins will probably take care of business and make sure they don't play the Flyers in the first round. The Flyers may take care of business themselves the way they're slipping. I, it keeps changing though. They lost to Detroit. Wow. Detroit hadn't won in 10 games. They gave up five goals to Detroit, too. The last two times Columbus made the playoffs, they played Pittsburgh in the first round. And right now, they would play Pittsburgh in the first round. Do you see the uh, issue here? <laughs> like, I don't want to keep watching Columbus and Pittsburgh yes. in the yes, first I don't round. Wanna, yeah, I don't want to see the same matchups all, all the time. What do we think about Florida? Uh, I think it's uh, a nice place to vacation. Cool. It has beautiful beaches. Yeah, too much humidity. Um, wouldn't want to live there. The golf side, not a big fan. Terrible drivers. Yeah, yeah. Terrible, terrible drivers. Yeah, that's do love Hollywood Beach though. Just to, just to go visit. I don't think I've been to Hollywood Beach. Yeah, is it near Tampa and or Miami? No, it's near Miami. It's a little bit north of Miami. Okay, like between Miami, Fort Lauderdale. It's too humid there. It is. It is. Humid. As somebody who spent a year and a half, it's a swamp. Yeah, yeah it's I not. Don't yeah. like it at all. Literally a swamp. Not a big Florida fan. How do we feel about the Florida Panthers? Oh, oh um, okay. well. That they, they seem have to have found their mojo since they decided not to play Redeem Bravada anymore. As <laughs> he noted himself. <laughs> that team has a lot of talent. I mean, I, I look at that team is very talented. I, I their blue line isn't awesome. I think Aaron Eckblad hasn't progressed at all. Actually, probably regressed since his first two years. Well, in his the rookie league. year was insane. But it's one of those weird things where he comes in at eighteen was so awesome and then just never hasn't found it again. Maybe there's some coaching change. Maybe there's a structure change that can help him. Well, yeah, when you change coaches every three and a half weeks, that's going to impact your younger players. You would think. Well, whatever happened to the last coach? Um, so, so much to do, so, do a story about whatever happened to that guy. Yeah. But I, I look at them as a team that uh, I could see them being getting in over New Jersey. I just don't see them getting past the game five against anybody. 
I, I don't. I don't think they're. They're. I just they don't I'd have the like depth. to see them play Tampa just because of the coolness of a four yeah. series. I'd like to see that. But Tampa beats them in, in four. Like, but yeah, hey, you know, I think Tampa beats them handily. I mean, you think Florida they sweep them? Yeah. I don't think they sweep them. I just. I don't think Florida. It, it's if you don't. As think good as Luongo's sweep playing. in the first round, you don't think anybody's getting swept in the first round, correct? Well, these things can surprise you sometimes. Okay. Like Nashville, Chicago, for instance. It's a very cryptic yeah. answer. What happens for the uh, media members? North of the Canadian border, if Florida and Tampa Bay are playing a playoff series in the first round, oh, we're going to have to hear all about it. I don't think we're going to hear about the thing, it at all, we'll actually. Get, but uh, it's going to say we'll get any coverage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be the CNBC series. It'll be the one where the one they hide. They show like That's a the Friday start graphic. date. Yeah. yeah, it starts at like noon on Friday. Uh, the Panthers are, are going. They're. I mean, they beat Boston a few games ago. I guess other than that, they really haven't beaten anybody. They've they, really they, gotten fat on Montreal. And they played Tampa real tough last time they played. That would be fun. that would actually be a legitimately fun series. Yeah, so, I'm in on that. By the way, we're only going to have two Canadian teams in the playoffs this year, huh? The way yeah. it's shaken out here, looks like it. Calgary yeah. is. We'll, we'll, yeah, and, Toronto. Hey, that, that's my segue into Calgary. Yeah, you like that. Let's let's get into that. Oof. Um, the team they can't win at home. Well, they're not going to make the playoffs they can't win anywhere lately. And I know that they're not mathematically out, but they're six points behind the Ducks. They have eight games left total. They're not. They're, that's it. That's they're it. not. And that's it right there, yeah. what you just said. Their they're maximum time. points is 96. That's where everyone thinks the cutoff is for the playoffs in the West when you do the you know, when you do the math on it. Yeah. There's I do not no think way. they're going to go 8-0. Look at, and look, Mike Smith was playing so well before he got hurt. Since he's come back, he's not been good at all. No. Not at all. And they need him to be their best player. I would say realistically... They have to go seven and one down the stretch. They're not. I think and they that's have to not go eight and, and and even then, I'm not entirely sure. So it's be good enough at this point. So, what sort of changes do we see there? Because now you're starting to get to a point where I think this is. I, is it fair to say this would be the first year that you call them a disappointment if they miss the playoffs? Yeah, I think so. And, and look, I, I had a chat with Mike Smith before he came here the other day, and he said, "I think we've underachieved to a certain extent." I think he's right. Yeah. Uh, because the, you know, we we had talked about Calgary being a team that was still on the rise. A lot of young players in spite of, you know, some of the experience on the back end. They you you had to allow this team to grow at its own pace and not expect linear progression. Yes. After that playoff burst, explain. what 3 seasons ago now? I'm sorry, Jamie can explain that okay. better. Yeah. He's well versed. He has a PhD in it actually. Mm. But at this point with the moves that you've made, adding guys on the back end as well, you, you, first of all, your, your blue line is so good that that should be able to carry you yeah. to the playoffs alone with, with the few forwards that you have up front like Monahan and Goudreau. They should be a playoff team at this point. They're, they're, they're experienced enough, they're old enough that they should be in the postseason at this point. And the fact that they're not, yeah, you ask me what's going to change. i got to believe there's going to be some change. I don't think it comes at the GM level. I, I would think that Glenn Galtson could be in trouble. This yeah, season. yeah. I mean that, that's that's where I look as well. They have you look at the pieces again. They've got a, they got a lot out of Matthew Kachuk this year too. He's been really strong. Goudreau is sensational. Monahan's been great. Their blue line's awesome. Michael Furland has twenty one goals too. I mean yeah. they have four guys with more than twenty goals, and it's, some of them have, have missed games. So it's not like they're not getting any offense. No, but after those guys, it drops yeah, off completely. They need depth. Like, they, they need they need more help down the middle. They need more. They need more some secondary scoring from somewhere. Right. I don't know what they're doing with Bennett because he he's yeah. moved up to the top line a couple times. He they need him to be their number two center, but that, that just, hasn't it's happened. It's so not far. happening. He and always that, seems to produce against the Coyotes though yeah, for whatever reason. Coyotes, so this is what the Flames, you know, from from two thousand the the two thousand nine ten season to thirteen fourteen they they were just non existent. And somewhere in there they finally figured out they had to actually rebuild instead of trying to 
just struggle to get back in the playoffs. So 14-15, they make it. They play Vancouver in the first round, so it's basically a free pass to the second round. Last year, or I'm sorry, 2015-16, they missed completely, but Brad Tree Living acknowledged that they probably weren't nearly as good. I mean, as a team, as an organization, they acknowledged they probably weren't as good as they looked in 14-15. So last year, they make the playoffs. They get swept by the Ducks. You're at a point now where this should probably be a perennial playoff team, especially in the Pacific. Yes, especially in the West, yeah. right with how wide open it is. And you added Mike Smith. Mm-hmm. So, so if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking coaching change, let's see. The general manager used to be the assistant GM mm-hmm. in Arizona. Oh, okay. the, yeah. Another executive in the organization used to be the general manager in the organization. Oh, the goaltender used to mm. play. In fact, it was a recommendation of a certain coach oh. when he came to Arizona. Yeah. Okay. And Dave Tippett is sitting out there mm. just wondering mm. what, what he might do next. Yeah. Mm. So, that could be a possibility. Mm. I, I, I would not. No one would be shocked if that happened, right? The best no, coach that's where available. I, that's where he should go. I'm, <laughs> the go, best coach available right now. Yes. To Let's go see what coach, happens with a blackout uh, shakeup. Yeah. If, well. if that's not Calgary's first call, Unless unless the first call is going to Joe Quenville if he gets fired, just to see if that's he's, it. But with like, all the familiarity that, that Craig just mentioned that Dave Tippett has, you know, and Michael Stone you know, as well. I mean, that he's a good a coach. Yeah, he's the best coach available right now. <laughs> don't tell that to Coyotes fans. There are a bunch of them. Don't think he can coach. Okay. Me crazy. Well, just, he. Uh, I wish. He. Can I do, wish you understood the game a little better when you say things like that. <laughs> Dave Tippett is good. Dave Tippett is great at getting a give lot out Dave of Tippett little. That blue line. And then, yeah, you give him Dougie give, Hamilton. Give him that blue line yeah. in his system. So oh, Dougie Hamilton, yeah, who, who he also wanted. Gets with the his, coach, Dougie Hamilton. They trade with, you know, they would have given up Dylan Strong. Uh, I feel another segue coming on here. No, I'm just saying. So. A lot of connections here. If we're, Although, you know, Donnie and Tip didn't leave on the best of terms. Oh, well. Isn't, yeah, isn't was, Don a pro scout? Yeah. Isn't that his gimmick? Got, I, I don't think. elevated to a, a different position. I'm okay. trying to remember what his title is now, but, yeah. Those seem like the the sort of things that could be mended. But you know, speaking of how that, ironic Don Malone gets Dougie there's, Hamilton. Let's now. be real. There's a different structure. Yeah. In Calgary too, yes. with Tree Living, with Burke. I mean, yeah. there, there's a different. Both are going to be. Oh, oh Craig, Craig's got to put a wow, that should be on the dollar in the. Uh, and now we're going to forget. Craig was about to say something that seemed really important. Yeah. And I know he's going to forget now because. No, actually, I was going to mention that uh, Don Maloney was here the other day, and you know, one one of the factors in this, in spite of that blue line, he said, "Look, our our star-studded blue line hasn't played up to its potential, and that's been one of one of the big problems. Obviously, Mike getting hurt for a month didn't help. No. Was a big blow in the depth of scoring, but they don't think that that blue line has played up to snuff, and that's that's surprising actually when you look at the talent back there and what they've added in the last couple of years. Do you think that? You think Calgary's style is is uh, is the most conducive way to make the playoffs? I guess the reason I asked that is because during that Coyotes Flames game, I talked to Jason Demers after the first intermission, and he essentially said the Coyotes knew that Calgary was going to come out and try and play physical and get under their skin. And then I talked to Craig Morgan of Arizona Sports in the second intermission, and he said that's pretty much the book on the Flames. And then I talked to, to Richard Ponick. Yeah, I know that one of these names doesn't fit. After the game, and even Richard Ponick was like, "We oh, know what the yeah, Flames it's do." Why would you talk to Ponick after me? And then possibly follow that act. Oliver Ekman Larson after Ponick, and he said, "Yeah, no, we know what the Flames are about." Uh, it's coaching. Yeah, I mean, you've got it. You've got skill on that blue line, and you've got Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, and whatever you think of Sam Bennett. Matthew Kachuk is more of a bruiser. He didn't play in that game the other night, but uh, but he also scores. I I don't know. We, we've sat here for the last couple of weeks and tried to find a team that was going to 
part ways with their coach, and I'm not like calling for Glenn Gullitson's job. I don't really care what the Flames do. But if they're going to make a change, it's not going to be at the GM level, it doesn't I, feel like. I, I can't believe it would be at this point. Because I don't think the team is constructed poorly. No, like, and that's like, the thing. This fits the bill of the GM did his job, when, we need a different coach. When I, when I try to evaluate, because it's tough. When you're not in that market, you're not there day-to-day, it's really tough to evaluate what the, what a coach is doing on a day-to-day basis to help a hurry in a team. So the only way that I can do it with some level of justification is I look at the talent level of the team and I look at their performance Mm -hmm. and based on that talent level and do I see a disparity between the two and I do see a disparity between the the amount of talent that Calgary has and the results that we're getting so then at that point I look at the coach and I say that that could be somebody that is causing a problem and then I also look and see a coach that's available and maybe two coaches that are available that I go they're pretty good coaches Maybe if you made the little swap here, and I have a relationship with them, I know yeah. what they're all about. And, and, yeah, one of them, I just, and the other one is pretty similar. And the other one's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the so. other one's going to the Hall of Fame and is a genius. And and the other guy that you mentioned, Dave Tibbet, coaches yeah. a remarkably similar system to Joel Quenneville, yes. and yet and is extremely familiar with a lot of criticism with here. pillars well, in he the had Calgary no talent. Yeah, if either one of those guys were to actually coach the Flames next year, we would all put them right in the playoffs, correct? Yes, I think that's an attractive job if that yeah, opens I up. I do, too. I mean, how could, how could you not be attracted with yes. that blue line? Like you said, that blue line, the, the top forwards they have. You know, Mike long-term is not the answer. You've no. got, you got to find you another find goalie. They've got prospects. Yes, they've they got do. goalie prospects. I mean, they like John Gillies. They've, they've, got, they've got some guys there. Uh, Colorado, I feel like we should, we should mention them because... Good story. Said this off the air before we started recording, but it, it feels like Dallas is, is trying to get the number one pick in the draft, even though they were in a playoff spot. And meanwhile, Colorado's actually winning games. They've lost one in regulation out of their last 10. They're 6 1 and 3. And at the moment, they are the first wild card. So, yeah, you want to talk about a good story? They have 40 more points in the standings right now than they did all of last yeah. year. Also, the ultimate addition by subtraction with that team. Yeah. That, that entire attitude of that team. Changed. Yeah. Remember we were talking about how, how they were making it. Uh, Joe Sackett was making it abundantly clear that he was a problem in the locker room yeah. and he had an attitude issues. And wow, is it? It sure looks like it. It was well, and all the, the and, blunt truth. And, and how candid the players were about it. They yeah. did, they didn't say Duchesne by name, but they were very clear who they were talking Nate about. McKinnon was and Eric Johnson. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Eric Johnson's been on that team for what feels like forever. Yeah. Former number one overall pick. He's he the was. forgotten number one overall pick over the last 15, 16 years. Uh, I'm, I'm back and to leaning. he wasn't even in Edmonton. Yeah, that's why he was forgotten. Uh, I'm back to leaning towards McKinnon for the heart, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion yet. He's really carrying them. His, the, the second half of the season has been absolutely remarkable for him. Yeah, he's got my vote. Because he's not, he's not just scoring. He is scoring in bunches in games that they desperately need him to. He, he's taking the next step that it seemed like he was just naturally going to take after his rookie of the year season. But Miko Rotnan, 79 points now this season, quietly. 26 goals, 53 mm-hmm. assists. That, those two have worked together very well. Colorado, I think, would be a fun team in the playoffs. They, they seem like a fun team that probably goes out in the first round, but who knows? Well, like maybe they right surprise now, someone. to play Vegas, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know that I would take Vegas in that series, if I'm being honest. No, I think people are still skeptical of Vegas yeah. because of what we expected all season and, you know, a little slippage of late. But And one bad game from Fleury, and we're going to – the, the machine on <laughs> on Flurry's playoff pass is going to yep. ramp up in full force. Assuming he plays, now he's like, yeah, yeah I don't know. He's had his, his issues staying on the ice this year. By the way, kudos to them not trading Tyson Berry in the offseason. Fifty two points, fifty nine games. For yeah, him. yeah. Did somebody so, somebody woke up there, or maybe it was just everybody. Wants to but see, that, that's another team too. I, lo- I look at that team and it, they could use some more secondary scoring as well. Oh yeah, 
Like, they're, they're doing, I mean, they have some of the same similar issues. Again, the, the teams are constructed differently at the forward that the Flames have. They've just been more successful. Yeah, but, I mean, they don't have near the defensive depth that the Flames no. have. And probably don't have as good of a goaltender. I no, mean, but Barlamo's they have a been up and down. They, they do have a center. And Landis Gog's been better. Yeah. And, you know, they got something out of Kerfoot, although he's trailed off a little bit lately. Yeah, but, again, that's perfectly fine rookie season from him. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's just get into the Blackhawks. Oh, here it is. Officially eliminated last night. Only one of us, me, saw that coming this year. And uh, both Jamie and Craig sat there and talked about how this team was going to win the Cup again. It I don't believe I sense. ever said that no, they were going to win the Cup. the record. I don't believe that. I ever said that. I'm trying to find the point. In the, there was a point, not not like really early this season, not at the midway point either, but there was a point this season where Chicago was in first place in that division, correct? Yes. Yes. So everything Craig has been saying about them has, has been 100% validated. But how did it change so much mid-season? Well, Corey Crawford's injury didn't yes. help. He was arguably their MVP yeah. this season. Corey Probably Crawford was their MVP. Yeah, I, think I, I, will say this, I will say this in a louder for everybody in the back. Corey Crawford is an elite goaltender. Yes, he is. And I will not hear the Twitter arguments otherwise. Do you I, think, again, tweet I don't know what's going to happen to Corey Crawford Hattie, Hattie. in the future. I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Do you think he's always elite, or do you think he was just elite this year? No, I, I think he's been elite the last couple yeah, seasons. Yes, he he's been their best player the last couple seasons. Him and, yeah. and Panarin. Patrick, well, Patrick and Kane. Kane's, Kane's always... Yeah, by the way, watching Artemi Panarin is just yet another reminder that Stan Bowman needs to go. Yeah, he gets Brennan a hat-trick. 31 points this year. A hat-trick the night that, uh, Pan- that the Blackhawks are eliminated. Panarin's picking up a hat-trick for the Blue Series Jackets. of bad moves. So many bad moves. Tabor Teravine and oh, no, we don't, we don't want to do this. Here, here's the thing that I've said repeatedly about the Blackhawks recently. Fine. Take a step back for a couple seasons. Figure it out. See what you can do to reshape this roster, which... You know, a good start would be getting a new general manager who understood how to manage the cap and manage a roster. Short of that, let's hope that he gets better advice than he's gotten from his advisors, like his dad, who wields way too much power in this organization, so that they can finally put some pieces around Kane, Taves, Keith, Crawford, before these guys are too old to contend anymore. Because they do have a window still. Like Pittsburgh, I think there can be, you know, a little down period where they don't achieve as much. Granted, Pittsburgh was making the playoffs, but th- there can be a down period where they don't achieve as much and they are able to fill in some pieces around them and maybe get back to contending one more time. Uh, they haven't won a playoff series now. This will be three straight years, which is kind Since of surprising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Taves, who I know gets a lot of scrutiny now, partially because of how much money he makes, but mm-hmm. in the sense that he needs to be more productive. Yep. He does have 20 goals this year. Now, 20 goals, I, did, I looked at this the other night just because... I wanted to see where 20 goals really ranks in the NHL. This wasn't about Jonathan Taves. This was about somebody else, and it basically ranks you about 95th in the yeah, NHL. 20 goals ain't what it used to it's, be. It's really nothing this no. year. <laughs> but um, but still, in terms of his production, when you consider what he does at the center position and the other roles he has on this team, what do you need goals-wise from him? I, I don't even know. If, if, if Jonathan Taves scored 25 goals and got me 50 assists, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But I think he needs to be a 70-plus point guy to be making ten point five million a year, yeah, I don't. You know, I I love the other parts of Jonathan Taves' game. Don't get me wrong; he is a terrific defensive center, always a Selkie candidate. He is great in the faceoff circle. He is great in the leadership areas. All those other details of the game. But when you make ten point five, you have to produce points, and it can't be these fifty to sixty point seasons that he puts up. You have to be more elite than that. I think you have to be seventy plus. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean. 
we talk about high price contracts for, for other players, but $10.5 million is a fortune in the NHL. Yeah. It's yeah. a fortune. There's how many play, um, like what? There, how many players make more than him? One? Two? Well, McDavid makes McDavid more. McDavid makes well, more. He doesn't yet. He will but, make but more. But will. Yeah. Yeah. Starting next year. It's McDavid. That's um, it. I don't think Stamkos makes more than that. No, and, and Kane makes as much. But Kane's the same. That's pretty much it. I mean, so when you're being paid as if you were the second or third best player in the NHL, you have to perform that way. And it's just, it's again, I don't, I don't blame anybody for taking the money. As we've said there, you, you have a finite amount of time to, to earn money as a professional. But part of making that much money is the extra responsibility and the extra criticism that gets heaped upon you because it lim- in a, a capped league – it limits what your team can put around you. Yeah, I've said this a million times. It's it's not the amount of money that Chicago has to give Taves. It's the percentage of the cap that he's eating up. And yep. again, twenty goals. Jonathan Taves has only broken the uh, the the thirty goal barrier twice in his career. Yeah. But to Jamie's point, twenty goals now is not what it used to be with the way it's it, the ice has opened up and the rules. Ninety eight players in the NHL have twenty goals or more this year. Like I said, if if he's producing the points, I'm okay. If you're setting up other players for goals. Creating that offense in other ways, fine. I don't think you have to be a thirty goal scorer, especially when you're a two way player like. Yes, that. when he's an elite two way player, but you got you better be producing offense for other people then. So here's a, a segue I did not think I would make this season, but the Blackhawks sixty nine points on the year. That is the seventh worst record in hockey, and below the Edmonton Oilers now. Technically, yeah, because they've played an additional game. They're tied with sixty nine. Two fewer each, wins. Two too. fewer wins. So. They're going to win the draft lottery. Let's take a look at at the teams right now that are in contention. For Buffalo has fifty eight points, and I'm not sure they're going to win ever again. Yeah, I'm not sure they want to. They're they're five four and one in their last ten. All right. Well, they're going to pass Vancouver, who has fifty nine points. Vancouver's going to finish last. Yeah, Vancouver. Vancouver's not trying anymore. Racing to the bottom. So I was saying the same about Detroit until last night when they beat the Flyers. Well, Detroit's much better than Vancouver right now, too. So we assume Vancouver's going to have the worst record. The Coyotes have 59 points. I still think they're going to jump Ottawa, Montreal, and maybe even Detroit. We'll see. They're on the road for eight of their final ten. That's that's pretty rough. They only have nine road wins all season. Jason Demers is out for the season. Oh, by the way, OEL's sick today. He's a game-time decision. Hmm. Is there really anything in this draft other than Rasmus Ristolainen that you, you want? or not? Uh, I, I would Dahlin. like Rasmus Ristolainen, but no. <laughs> would Rasmus you rather have Rasmus Dahlin or Rasmus No, Dahlin. Uh, Ristolainen is another guy that Beyond Dahlin, I think the... it's a crapshoot. So uh, yeah. I don't, you know, I, I don't even think, and especially with the fact that the, the team with the worst record in the league has an 18% chance to get the first pick. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you don't play for that anymore. You but just, you, you we can't. agree Vancouver is at this point. Vancouver just doesn't look like they're trying anymore. I, I, yeah. I wrote this in my... A story today, uh, Ben Kuzma, one of the beat writers up there, said that just like when Brock Besser got hurt. Yeah, they gave up. They, yeah. I the, mean, the wind went out like, of their sails is how he put it, but it, it looks like they gave up, they, which is, you they're know. Not even weren't the Sedins supposed to be here for leadership? They're not even competitive so right They're now. leading the no. team in points right yeah, now. But, but the team is has quit. They've dropped seven in a row. Uh, I can't pull up their schedule for some reason. Three shutouts in those seven games, too. Yeah, that's not it's not ideal. But I guess I guess the earlier question I was going to ask, it's not like there's not good players after Rasmus Dahlin, but it's we also... Yeah, it's not one of those... It's not a draft where it's like, well, you do everything you can to get that yeah. first pick. If you don't get him, you'll pick second. You can get this guy. The guy you want second might be fifth on everybody else's board. Yeah, and we never know, no, but in this draft, it just it seems like... Uh, it's a complete crapshoot. I, it just—I don't think it, it matters so much where you pick in this draft. It just matters how you draft, unless you get the first pick. But eighteen percent 
And as we've seen all of the recent years, except when Toronto needed the yeah, first say, pick. Yeah, Jer- say, Jersey, what were they last year? Seventh worst? Eighth worst? Were they, they, they were pretty bad. I think they were like fourth or fifth. But then, what, Dallas and Philadelphia well, Phil both made Philly, the playoffs yeah. and got the pick in the top three. So well, I heard this, by the way. I heard... It, it, let me throw this out there since we're, t- we're talking about this stuff. I want to bring up this OEL rumor we're talking about. Oh, all this stuff. another one? Yeah. I-, I heard this talk that the Coyotes might need a center so badly that if OEL doesn't want to be here in the offseason, they would trade him to the Oilers for the principal piece coming back would be Ryan Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're going to do that, you have to tell me before I drink the coffee. Well, yeah, okay? and if you're going to do that as John mm-hmm. Chica, you could, might as well just hand in your uh, own pink slip yeah. because really no Ryan, Ryan Nugent, Nugent Hopkins, Hopkins ain't getting it done for Oliver Ekman Ryan so, Nugent Hopkins has never been a number one center maybe that's being I don't know if that's being fed by Edmonton media that ain't happening I was going to just ask you where that would have come from because when you were when you were putting that trade together I was thinking I I mean if you're giving me dry sidle I guess we have to have a conversation yeah. yes that's where the conversation would start yes. if dry sidle is with RNH piece. yeah okay yeah. Keep walking. If you want, You're if you want to, for RNH, I'll give you a forward off the team. Honestly, I'll give you a forward and my pick. If it's not number one, I don't know if it's like the. I wouldn't even give you that. I wouldn't give you the fourth overall pick and one of the Coyotes forwards for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No. Would you he's making six and a half million? No. Yeah, he's a piece. Of, he's a piece that could help them. Sure. If he was just available, but not for I would take him. For Alfred exactly. I was playing <laughs> at the top of his game right now. Of all the trade rumors we have heard involving <laughs> Oliver Ekman Larson, that priceless. might be the dumbest. Uh, I've heard pretty dumb ones, but Sorry, that's, sorry, that's, that's like a bad not, one. Maybe I should do that. Just ranking the top ten worst OEL trade rumors I have heard. And they always seem to involve him going to a Canadian team that yeah, needs defense. That works, hey, huh? Canada needs a defenseman. We won't give up much to get that, him. That's the and thing. That's the second it. half of the equation. It's never like, and we'll give you right. Leon Dreisaitl or we'll give you so-and-so. It's, well, we don't want this guy, so you could help us by taking his contract and we'll take your best player. He's still the Coyotes' best player, right? Or did I forget what hockey is? Well, he certainly has been recently. He reached uh, 100 goals, becoming the sixth Swedish defenseman to do so. And, man, I just his all-around game lately has been so good. He's got this nasty streak going, too, where he's playing physical hockey. He's, he's just doing it at both ends of the ice, creating offense, playing well on his own end, like I said, playing physically. Oliver ekman Larson looks incredible lately. If you look, you mentioned the, uh, the, sixth all, the sixth Swedish defenseman to ever score 100 goals. If you look at that list, I'm trying to pull it up right now. It's going to take me a second. Oreo Salming. Eric Carlson, Freddie Olsen. Um, I just tweeted this. Nick, Nicholas Lidstrom's in first. Yeah, Nobody's Lidstrom, catching him. Yeah. And, and Eric Carlson's still active. I believe he has 24 more goals than Oliver ekman Larson. So let's set him aside for a second. Kelly Johansson's the other one. He could catch the other three within like the next two years. Yeah. I mean, he honestly could be the third highest scoring defenseman like two, maybe three years from now from, from Sweden. And Sweden's pretty good at producing NHL defensemen. Mm-hmm. Like if you were building a team... If you were just building a team on the most, it's not a bad generalization because you're saying something good about all these countries, but wouldn't you go like Swe- Russian, Swedish defensemen, Finnish, Finnish goalies, goalies, Russian wingers, wingers yeah. North American centers. centers? Yeah. There you go. So if you're going to be one of the best Swedish defensemen of all time and you're still in your mid to late 20s, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll trade him to you for a guy you're trying to get rid of, Edmonton. Go ahead. <laughs> just laughed when I heard that. And then the Coyotes just need a number one center and a number one defenseman, as opposed to just needing a number yeah. one center. So, yeah, that's a really helpful deal for everybody, except one of the teams. Uh, Patrick Line getting hurt. Doesn't sound like it's shots. serious, right? It doesn't sound like it's no, long term. It doesn't. Did you guys see Corey Hirsch's tweet? I did not. Over the weekend. This was actually before Line got hurt blocking a shot. But I believe this was from Saturday. 
He said, the whole shot blocking thing has become ridiculous. Losing valuable players to injury blocking shots on long shots a goalie can easily handle makes no sense. Now, I'm not sure that necessarily pertains exactly to Line's uh, situation, but again, Hirsch tweeted that out before, yeah. like two days before. And that's a sentiment we've actually heard from several players. Okay. About, that's a goalie. From, from several goalies, yeah. actually, about the value of blocking shots. And it's one thing to block a shot in close from a tight scoring area. It's another thing to block a shot from the point, which, unless it's tipped, a goalie is going to save well, 99% there, of the time. There's the addendum, though, to add, though. So if, if you're not going to block that shot, when, if, you're, if you're a guy out high about to block a yeah. shot from a defenseman, how do you know that a guy isn't behind you trying to deflect it? Yeah. So doesn't it still make sense yeah. to try and block the shot? So And then what I, do you do? Just stand there? What if it, yeah. hits, what if it hits okay, your I'm stick? Okay, I'm going to step aside, and then the guy shoots, and somebody deflects it, and hits yeah. a goal. And what does your coach say to you at that point? Yeah. So it, it, it's a tough spot to be in. Yeah. And then, and then if, you're, if you're a player, especially, unfortunately, if you're, you're a European player and don't want to block a shot, you get criticized in certain markets for being soft. Yep. Or, quote, quote, unquote, Euro trash. Hmm. Well, that's, that's, that's an know. odd scouting report. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very tough spot. But at the same time, when you hear goalies saying that, like, aren't you basically taught if you are – if you're a center, you're a defenseman, you have a lot more defensive responsibility. If you're a winger out there on the point, unless you know for sure you can block it and yeah. you need to, you're kind of supposed to get out of the way and let the goalie see it. And get out of the way and let the goalie see it doesn't mean keep your stick in the way, though, so you can deflect it at the last second. Right. It means get out of the way and but let the goalie see it. But if you know you can it. block it, if you think you can block it, you should yeah. block it. Well, yeah, because then you can trigger you a rush the other yeah. way. Yeah. But I do wonder if at some point we're going to see that kind of fizzle out a little bit where there's not so much of an emphasis on forwards blocking shots. Maybe it's, 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 it's tough because you're in the heat of the moment. I think there are guys that, yeah, that are trying to, win a, game. trying to win a game. That's still the mentality of the game. You do whatever. You lay your body on the line to and if you try don't, and win games. And if you don't block the shot and the, ball, and the puck knuckles into the back of the net, no. guess what? You're trying to block that shot the next game. So, I mean, it's... So that might just be where we are then. Is it, I, th- I think it is what it is. I think you, you, it is what it is. It's tough. It always it's is. Th- I get, it, is. It, it usually is what it is. It usually is what it is. Typically, yeah. It always I, is what it was. Yeah. True. Let's stop. Yeah, because now it's starting to hurt my head. But I do want to talk about the Oilers real quick. Okay. Do In we, the sense that they had to. seven goals last we night. We did just start with r and so. And uh, I'm just trying to see how many of those goals he had. Uh, none. Okay. Oh, so okay. Seven goals. Dry side of a goal and three assists. I'm I'm fascinated by the concept that he could be available, even though he probably isn't. And and the funny thing is, he's only, he'd only be available because of the other awful moves they've made. Yes. So they'd have to make probably another awful move. <laughs> well, I mean, if if Oliver Ekman Larson were your return prize and you gave up Leon Drysaddle, maybe you you'd feel okay with that in Edmonton. Although now you only have one center. Oh no, you have RNH. So <laughs> would you trade OEL for Drysaddle? I I don't I don't think so actually I don't yeah, think I, I don't think I'd, I, I don't think I'd do it straight up not straight up if Edmonton let me be clear if the Oilers if there was any sense that they'd be willing to give up Drysaddle and I'm just going to take this from the Coyotes perspective because specifically the Coyotes need a number one center and that could change everything I would I'd probably pull together any other combination off my team and including potentially the number one overall pick this year yeah I don't think it's going to get it done though I think that yeah. if Edmonton came calling to you that it would be about OEL and and look, there's there's the possibility that they get to the point in the summer where OEL says I'm not signing a contract extension, and then then it's different. It makes sense to move him before the draft because you might lose him for nothing after yeah. the following season. So then, if you have that conversation, yeah, you talk about dry settle. But I, again, I'd still want 
something more from yeah, Edmonton. And, and I think that's where you start to try to package other pieces you have that maybe yeah. you don't value as highly as as Edmonton might. Maybe they think they can they can do something with the Strom brothers. It's not even <laughs> Strom for Dreisaitl. I mean, it is she really? No, no, no. But but I I mean like I mean if if you're we'll give you building it around Saturday. Oliver Ekman Larson and you're going Ekman Larson Dreisaitl, but you're saying the Coyotes are going to want more in this hypothetical scenario. You got to package other pieces to try to get other pieces off that team you might want. Maybe you. Maybe see if you can get Nurse back or Clefbaum, or maybe you say you know we will we can bring in Nugent Hopkins as our third third line center. That's a lot of money. To take it's on. a lot of money to take on at that point. But I think for me, it's not so much the dry is not worth it. I just with what the Coyotes, you know, we all watch them every game, so we see what they have and what they don't have. What they their best thing they have going for them is their defense, and Oliver's their best player on defense. So to me, it's not a matter of oh, I'd, I'd need more. Than just dry sidle. It's I don't want to give up OEL. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm. Uh, no, how I'm really. We're just talking about that scenario where if you're forced to, if you're forced into but, that situation because he doesn't want to sign an extension. I think if if Edmonton was willing to trade him, there's other pieces you could package off the Coyotes. Like I'm not saying that the Coyotes need to trade Jacob Chikrin, but if you threw Chikrin and Keller at them, I think they'd take a long hard look at it. Or the number one overall pick, if that's really Maybe. what it is. Yeah, I mean, if you get the number one pick, that's a little bit different in this scenario. But even then, I mean, there are going to be a lot of suitors. That's true. If Drysaddle be, actually became available. That, that is true. But as we've seen, Chiarelli might not want a bidding war for his product. He might just take the he first might, offer yeah. he gets. <laughs> he likes to get deals done. Yeah, He's like right. uh, Kramer in the episode of Seinfeld where they offer him free See, like, coffee. Uh, Drysaddle, Hall, and Eberle might have been enough to for OEL might have worked. It's a lot of money, but <laughs> that might work. Yeah, maybe. Uh, one of you mentioned the Strom brothers. Here's probably, an entire Jamie. top line for you. Yeah, here we'll take. We're going to take your number one defenseman, but you can have a starting center, left wing, two point right per wing. game players, and then yeah. Here's here's 180 points for next year. <laughs> Dylan Strom called up. I would assume he's playing. Okay. Um, I don't know if I've brought this up on the podcast. I know I've brought it up a lot around the games, and a lot of people actually have told me, no, why would they call him up? They're trying to have success in Tucson, which I get. But I, I, for one, am 150% on board on seeing what Dylan Strome can do right now as opposed to waiting till next October when to. the games matter. You Here's, have to find out eventually. Well, here, in, in, in terms of finding out, maybe you're also finding out if, if he doesn't make any kind of impact, maybe you're finding out if, okay, it's time to pull the plug and include him in a trade package this yeah. summer. I'm sure they're it just— It gives you that intel as well. Jack has got to be sitting in his office hoping, like, please score, like, three goals the rest of the season or something and make it a little bit easier to move him. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think they've already decided they are going to move him. No, I don't either. No, but if they – if but if they're going to go after a bigger player and you need, to, you need pieces to package in a deal. Yeah. Right it, now you're getting nothing from him. He's got ten games left. It's, I don't know if he's going to play all ten, but if, if he plays – let's say he plays all ten. And he produces, like Jamie said, three or four goals in those ten games. There's there's a there's a fine line he can walk here where he becomes tradable but not so valuable that the Coyotes then decide they have to keep him, right? Like if he doesn't do anything, then they can't really trade him. Well, it's, well, I don't he could be packaged still. Yeah, I mean if somebody I, sees. Well, I don't want to throw him away though. Yeah. No. I, I don't know if you're going to find out in terms of if he's figured it out or not in ten games. No, like you're not going to find that answer. You might be able to get a confirmation that he hasn't figured it out yet mm-hmm. in those 10 games. That wouldn't be great. But the problem is, is so is everybody else. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I guess I guess the way I was approaching this was he's still too valuable, big picture in the organization to, to get something out of him, even if it's just a top nine forward. 
But yeah. I you, don't want to try that out in the first few games of next season because those games are going to matter. I think the Coyotes could actually contend for a playoff spot next year. And as I said, the, the mission now is not to see if Dylan Strom is a number one center. He's not going to be. The mission is how do you get the most out of him, whether that's on the ice for you, whether that's at a, at a wing, whether it's at third line, whatever it is. How do you get what is how do you maximize his value to your team? Can you have a team that looks like like Nashville's construction where you yes. have good centers, you don't have the elite number one center, but you have a great blue line? Can yes. it be that model? If you went step on Strom, Dvorak, Dvorak, Strom, whatever order, yep. and and Brad Richardson, Richardson. Back please, or please hang on to Brad Richardson. Yeah, just keep that fourth line together. Going, he into fits the, the perfect mold for fourth line now. Mm-hmm. What Richardson does. That line, just that, that fourth, fourth line with speed. I wouldn't break that puck. up ever. Yep. If I if I didn't have to, like the Coyotes are set on defense and their fourth line, <laughs> so just keep building forward. Uh, they're they're one of the the several teams that have actually figured out what to do with their bottom six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's don't you don't take skill off the ice. You yeah, know the Islanders agree. are so jealous right now because they like to really build fourth lines and overpay for them. And the Coyotes have done it pretty cheaply. Uh, JVR's impending UFA status is what Craig wrote in his... Uh, he's got 10 goals in his last ton. 13 games and 33 goals this season. He's going to be UFA and he's going to cash in big time. Yeah, it's funny. I felt like JVR has been on the trade block for seven years. Yes. Yeah, and I don't totally understand why because he continues to produce actually better than a lot of the big names in Toronto. But uh, is he the best free agent out there this summer? Like, I haven't really... Taking a, a long, hard look at free I think this so. summer. I think so. I'm trying to. Uh, to look. I'll look right now because okay. I, th- I think it's like it's a lot of the, a lot of the other free agents are just very much up there in age. 33 goals is a lot of goals, and he consistently is right around 30 goals. And he was he was a really high pick too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is second overall. It's it's not like this was like a crazy year where he just kind of took off or whatever. And you're you're I mean you never want to pay for past performance. But this is a guy that has consistently been a, a pretty high-level so producer. As far as UFAs go, it's like JVR, Tavares, Grabner, Evander Kane, James Neal. That's it. The I mean, Tavares is, uh, is clearly number yeah. one. If Tavares gets there, he's number yeah. one. I can't believe he gets there. Do we have an update no, on him yet? starting to no. think he's going to get there. At and, least explore. And he's not he's not a, a, UFA, a UFA, but uh, what does William Carlson's next contract look like? Like a billion dollars. I don't know what you do. Like, that's... That's, yeah, He's that's a forty a, goal scorer now that has went from nothing to that. That's I don't know what that contract looks like to be in as a GM. Yeah, Oof. see, James Van Riem's like much I more have established. One year of, of uh, evidence. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you do. do. And I don't it's, know. And the year is just eye popping. It, and it's been a weird year across the board for that team. So you don't know if, if it's just lightning in a you bottle. Can totally see him taking a step back. Be like be a twenty goal scorer next year. And even that's probably that's about what they were hoping for when they, sure. when they took him. I'm not sure. saying he's Jonathan Chichu. I'm just saying like I, I'd be worried about that. I'm just I'm worried about paying off of one completely mm-hmm. out of nowhere year. Just a little bit. I mean he he was he was a highly thought of prospect, but not a anybody somebody thought was going to score 40 goals. No, never. Do we have a sense like it feels like there should be more rumors about where John Tavares might land? Are there, are there any any? Highly talked about locations other than all of the seven Canadian teams he's going to play for next year? Uh, yeah, there have been a few, but I, the Rangers are one of those teams. Uh, I, don't, I don't. It's always the same team. It is always the same well, yeah. teams because those, those teams have just massive media markets covering yes. the NHL, so it's, there's all kinds of rumors It's out like there. whenever there's a free agent in the NFL, it's, well, that would, they'd be a good fit for the Patriots. Or whenever there's somebody available in baseball, oh, they would fit on the Yankees or Red Sox. Like, it's the same deal. Yeah, I think it's actually baseball's a better analogy. It, it always does seem to be the Red Sox or the Yankees. And then they tend to sign with the Red Sox or the Yankees. But in baseball, there's no salary cap, and those teams have more money. 
Whereas in football, there's a salary cap. I actually don't feel like it happens that much in football because the Patriots always pick up players that other teams can't do anything with, and then they make them great. But every time, like Toronto has no cap space, and yet you know if John Tavares becomes a free agent, it's going to be talked about how Toronto's the most likely destination for him. And then uh, you're right, the Rangers are always one of them. Trying to think who else. It usually seems to be those two teams. And then maybe like another Canadian team sneaks in. Tavares Montreal gets the free agency. Wouldn't you want to sign in Toronto? I mean, when you're, when you're eyeballing teams that have a chance to win cups and he mm-hmm. wants to win a cup, that is paramount for him. Why wouldn't you go to Toronto? A one-two punch of Matthews and Tavares? It's insane. That's, that's Crosby Malkinesque. And a young team. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's scary. I really hope he doesn't go to Toronto. Not anything against Toronto. I just, I want... I want something different. I'm tired of, of every time a player that's really good becomes available. I guess none of them have really gone there. Like, Steven Stamkos was supposed to be in Toronto yeah, for Steven three Stamkos, years. He never went. Um, yeah. Brad Richards, back when, remember when that was a big deal? When, when he was With good, the locked yeah. in the hotel. Everybody yeah. coming in and out of the hotel. Hey, I know. He could go to Edmonton. And then they could trade Dreisaitl. <laughs> and they could have two really good centers and still not make a playoffs. But they'd eventually trade Tavares. So then, what's the point? <laughs> uh <laughs> GM meetings. Want to get into that real quick? There's not a lot coming out of it, really. It's it's just the uh, just a lot of golf uh, discussion of goaltender interference. Did, did do you have any clarity after listening to what the GMs and Colin Campbell said about no, this? No, nope. no, no. I was even wa- I was rewatching the the interviews this morning before we did the show because I prepare. You know, it's a big deal to me. And um, give me your summary. Give me I, what I you can't. heard. Basically, what I heard was. Goalie interference, they think it's an issue. There was something about 16 goals that would have been impacted like last year or something, and right. so then they decided 16 goals don't matter. And then They were seeing what we were seeing, and yeah, so we know it's an issue, but it doesn't seem to be an issue. Yep, pretty that, much. That's what I took away from it. Like, <laughs> what? Somebody please define it. Just define it. Please tell me what it is. Yeah, and, that's and there's, not going to happen. And there's just, and, and there, obviously, it's in the rule book. But it, it, there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's too much gray area and too much interpretation in it right now. And, and there are too many blatant calls one way or the other where you say, wait, that definitely was goaltender interference or that was not. And then the call goes the other way and you're just, you're just left there staring with an open mouth at the screen or the game if you're there. It's more awkward if you're at the game just staring with an open mouth. At least yeah. at home you can you know, probably just watch the game with a couple friends. I mean, I go back and I, I know it's a Blackhawk example, but... Corey Crawford was definitely interfered with on a critical goal against Nashville in that playoff series, and they didn't call it goaltender yeah. interference because he was above the blue paint. <laughs> but he got, his, he got his stick chopped, blatantly chopped, intentionally chopped so he couldn't make a save, and that wasn't goaltender interference. It's a lot like the NFL's catch rule, which they actually are trying to fix, where I understand why you're trying to define it very specifically, but when you try to get, when you get so close to it that you make very specific rules, sometimes you just miss the spirit of the actual rule. Like the Crawford example is pretty yeah. good. I understand it didn't fit their specific rules that change every couple weeks right now anyway. But if you just watch it, you know it was goalie interference. Yep. So they need to have some sort of, if they actually even do anything about it, they need to have some sort of wiggle room within the rule where the. It, we're trying to like replay the the refs' discretion out of everything. At some point, the refs are going to have to have some sort of discretion Absolutely. where they can just take a step back. I don't contend anything. I don't. I don't have any problem with that. I, but you need to define the rule better. And, and yes, you, you can't have these instances where it's just so obvious to everyone, and, and the call still doesn't go that way. You can't have that. It's not like people 
it's not like media members or analysts don't understand the game or the rule. We understand the rule. Yeah. You're just not defining it well enough. And that's, that's why I'm so astounded at what came out of the GM meetings. Let's address that very issue right there. You have not defined the rule well. Do that. Start there. And there's such a heavy focus on offside again. How did we get back to offside? Yeah, well, we're, well they're not going to do anything with offside, as it turns out. Yeah, but so then why are we still talking about it? I don't know. Other than that, it probably is just all golf. You're probably right. Yeah, I mean, how, if, you're, if you're John Chike, I don't think Chike golfs, does he? You're just kind of like you're the 31st GM just hanging out in Florida where it's... Right, so yeah. this is what they do here, huh? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Exciting. This, this is Florida, eh? Can we talk about Montreal before we wrap up the show? And the fact that okay, they have... to say. But they, they don't have any goals in their last two games. They've lost eight of nine. I'm, for some reason, fascinated by trying to figure out who the worst team's going to be next year. Hmm. And it's, I'm not. It's not. Who it's do Buffalo. You still think Buffalo's worse yes. than Vancouver next G- year? Give me one reason for optimism for the Sabres. No, no, no. I can't do give, that. Give me one. Give me but a half a reason Vancouver is going to be worse. Yeah. No, that's Vancouver's the only thing I can give you. Because I... Uh, by the way, Jamie's wearing I, a I, old, school very, old school Canucks t-shirt today. Yeah, that's true. The Canucks could be worse, <laughs> but at least they looked halfway decent with Besser, and they'll have Darlene, so it'll be good. You think they're going to get the number one pick? I don't. If they finish oh, worse, yeah. they're definitely not getting the number one pick. Yeah. We, we already know it's not going to the Canucks if they finish worse. I just, I just almost... Could you imagine? Who would be the... the I know Edmonton would be the everybody revolts. Edmonton angry. would be the, the worst. The, the league Hawks. burns down. Black, the Blackhawks. Which team, wanted, which team would benefit team. the most? Would benefit the Blackhawks would benefit Black, yeah. hugely from an infusion on the Sky. That's where yeah. they need help. Wait. I mean, they need depth up front yeah. too, but it's easier to fill in on the wings, right? They need yeah, Chicago would be benefited the most. Can you imagine if they won it? Calgary would be hilarious. I, I they, want, like they need more defensemen. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, they they I, could I, trade the pick then, actually, and yeah. maybe get something interesting for it. I want to play Jamie's game of which team would bother everybody the most if they got the number one pick. It's Edmonton would bother everybody. Edmonton, yeah, take Edmonton out because that's obviously. I think Chicago's number two on that list. People hate the Blackhawks. Yeah, outside of Chicago. Well, if you've won three cups in the last decade, you probably don't need the number one pick as much as Buffalo Who's or the Coyotes or Ottawa. I'm just not you. People mean this in general. It's about. Uh, you remember what happened last year? Remember what happened last year in the lottery in the first three picks? Yeah, it was a travesty. Well, I'm trying to do some New quick Jersey, math. Philadelphia, and Dallas. Yeah. The, the, as, as we mentioned, the teams with the three worst records. Jersey would be interesting if they fall out of the playoffs fourth, and win fifth, again. and seventh they picked. And, and Vegas, which spent half half a billion dollars to get into the league, picked sixth. Yeah. That's crazy. I think you Jersey, have that Jersey would be a sneaky sneaky good one. Who do we think is going to get it? I think it's Vancouver. Um, to get the number one pick or yeah. finish worst? No, no. Actually win the lottery, which I know oh, there's no win science the lottery? to this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I have no idea because the percentages are too small for all of them. In a completely unrelated topic that has nothing to do with my prediction. Right, I'm just, just going to hit the, the lottery thing right now. Okay, okay. tell me who comes up. Chicago. Detroit. Detroit. Oh, boy, that would be... New, that Jer- that would New Jersey jumped... If the Jersey misses, they jumped to two. Detroit Detroit needs help on this blue line, too. So. Yeah. The top three in this one, Detroit, New Jersey, Chicago. <laughs> See, and that would be it again. Yeah, that they, would be they just they like need, last year. They need to change the percentages. Just, just like last year. But uh, Arizona picking sixth in this, that's, in this that's situation. Right. That's, that's fair. Great. Uh, that's actually a little bit earlier than I thought they would pick with the way the... That they have that one more time for just no expansion expansion team this year, so they can jump up to sixth. By the way, Detroit again. (laughs) Speaking of that, that, Jamie uh, needs to break that laptop. uh, So, so the Red Wings are winning this. We can see that. So the the league does love the Red Wings. I mean, they let them play in the East. (laughs) They 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 could use another sweep. What what else do you need, Detroit? The number one, but sure, okay. Um, Again, I will just throw this stat out that has nothing to do with my prediction. Five of the last eight lottery winners 
are Canadian-based teams. Huh. Hmm. That's, um, that's odd. Yeah. So it's only... Hmm. Yeah, not that many Canadian teams. There are no, only seven Canadian teams. That's, that's the last two generational talents both ended up on Canadian teams. Hmm. Um, there are some Canadian teams that need a defenseman this year. So I'm going to go ahead and say Vancouver wins the lottery. Okay. Or Edmonton. Or Ottawa. Ottawa. Yeah, I don't Ottawa think doesn't they really don't really Ottawa's not Nobody Ottawa's, seems to care about Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa's the, the least cared about Canadian That's true, especially yeah. now. I think there's a better chance that the Coyotes get the first pick than Ottawa at this point. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. I you guys have is. anything else to share with the listening audience? I get nothing. Nothing. Okay. All right. For Craig Morgan, for Jamie Eisner, for Leftovers, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.